Welcome to the Simply Youth Podcast, where the U in youth stands for you. Join us in chatting with some of the most successful Lebanese figures. Follow in their footsteps to write your own story. The Simply Youth Podcast every Tuesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more platforms. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Simply Youth. Today, we have a very special guest. Dr. George Karam is an associate professor at the Department of Psychiatry and Clinical Psychology of St. George's Hospital University Medical Center. He has published extensive papers on mental health of senior citizens. He is also a senior member of the Institute for Development, Research, Advocacy, and Applied Care. Idrag is the first nonprofit organization that focuses on mental health in Lebanon and the Arab world. Its members have worked for 38 years to promote conversations that remove a stigma surrounding mental health and offer help to all citizens in need. Thank you so much, Dr. Kemp, to participate sure, in this podcast. I'm glad to be so, here. <laughs> thank you. So we're going to start with a couple of questions. First of, first of all, why did you choose to specialize in geriatric psychiatry and what are the most interesting topics in this field? Okay, well, the reason why I chose geriatric psychiatry is because there was no one uh, doing that in Lebanon. So when I was in the U.S., I was finishing my studies in adult psychiatry. And then I realized that, you know, you have this whole field of geriatric psychiatry, meaning taking care of elderly people. And no one was paying close attention to that in Lebanon, and there was no specialist for that. And knowing that I was going to come back to Lebanon and practice here, I wanted to help my community, and I decided to specialize in geriatrics. And when I came to Lebanon for the longest time, I was the only geriatric psychiatrist in Lebanon. And now there is only uh, another one uh, who came to Lebanon a year ago, and in fact, she joined me in our department. So. Our department has the only two uh, specialized genetic psychiatrists in Lebanon. And uh, the interesting part is that, you know, everyone is, will get older. So a lot of people are interested in child mental health or in adult mental health. And no one was paying attention to the elderly, but any child will become an older person. Any adult will become an older person. So that was the interesting part for me is that you can start seeing these people and catching them earlier than when they become older and start having uh, all the medical problems and the psychiatric problems. And one of the most important things that we deal with as genetic psychiatrists, in addition to all the mental disorders that uh, you have, is uh, dementia, so Alzheimer's. So at the same time, I am the president of the Alzheimer's Association in Lebanon, and this is really my area of expertise. And uh, it's uh, interesting to work with that population. You know, they have a lot of knowledge, they have a lot of stories to tell you, and it's always fun to, to meet an older person. And I think this year proved like a different challenge because of the COVID-19, so which enforced a, lo- a strict <clears throat> lockdowns in citizens around the world. What would you say is the impact of long-term quarantine of the mental state of citizens, especially senior citizens? Yes, this year has been terrible, in fact, in Lebanon on several levels. So we started with the COVID, uh, and now I'll talk about it in a second, and then you have the impact of the financial collapse that you have on the elderly. And if you want, I can touch on that also and its effect on the elderly. And lastly, we had the Beirut blast. And if I want to talk about them very quickly, one after the other, uh, we started with COVID and the elderly people are the ones the most at risk of being infected. So they are the ones that you need to protect at most and isolate the most. Having said that, social isolation is one of the worst things that you can do to an older person, especially an older person that is starting to forget, an older person that's developing Alzheimer's or dementia. 
in the early stages. If you socially isolate this person and stop their routine and stop them from interacting with others and stop them from exercising, their dementia will progress very quickly. So that has been really terrible on the elderly. You need to protect them from COVID on one side by isolating them, but we know that we are worsening their mental health on the other side. And that's why my recommendation has been since March, I've had several uh, webinars and interviews asking people to have physical distancing from the elderly, but not social distancing. There is a difference between social distance and physical distance. So I can still be socially uh, involved with an older person uh, by calling them on a daily basis, by video chatting with them, by checking on them, by having, you know, opening the video so everyone, even the elderly people know how to use Zoom now or WhatsApp video calls. So it's so easy with the click of a button to just have video chats with the elderly to keep them engaged and to keep the, to continue the interaction with their families and friends. This is very important. The second challenge that we had is the financial collapse. The uh, lot of elderly, you know, they took their retirement and whatever savings they had, and probably it was in Lebanese lira, they had it in the bank and they were planning on living the rest of their life from that savings. And you can imagine now with the dollar losing six times its value. So an older person that had the equivalent, let's say, of $200,000 because of, you know, everything they had worked throughout their uh, life, and they save 200,000 and they have it in Lebanese, which is like 300 million. Imagine 300 million a year ago was 200,000. Now 300 million is uh, maybe 30,000, $40,000. So it's a big, big, big blow. You're asking people to live the next 20 years on very little savings and they do not have any means to make more money because obviously they're retired. Then you add to it the third uh big impact which was the blast and not too many people were talking about that but the areas that were the most affected which is jamaize and maram khayel and all that area these areas are traditionally occupied by older people and there was one statistic saying that 60 percent of people living in those areas are elderly people so these people lost everything on top of the financial collapse where they lost whatever money they had saved in the bank now they lost their houses on top of it and if you add all three, you can see in what bad, bad, bad shape the elderly uh, when we're talking about mental health. And I think there's also a fourth th factor where not many Lebanese citizens are willing to go to therapy. So what do you think is one of the most common obstacles that prevent people from getting the help they need? Look, it's the most uh, important uh, barrier probably is the lack of knowledge. It is uh, people not knowing that they have a disease, not knowing that they need to get help, not knowing that if they seek help for therapy, that they will get better. So IDRAC is, as you mentioned at the beginning, is one of the most active NGOs in Lebanon. And we've had several studies done in Lebanon and specifically on that. And we wanted to see what is the rate of mental diseases in Lebanon and how many people do get treated. And it turned out that in Lebanon, 25% of the Lebanese population will have a mental illness during their lifetime. And this number is not terribly high. This is very comparable to the world's average. However, what is, what's, what, what's bad in Lebanon is that out of 90% of people that have a disorder, you know, 90% do not get treated. So only 10% of people do get treated. And we thought it was due to taboo. And we started looking into that. And we found out that taboo was not the main reason why people do not seek help. And it was more the lack of awareness and not knowing that you have a disease or that you need to get help for that. 
And uh, so that's why IDRAC in the last 20 years, we've been very actively engaged in awareness campaigns uh, to raise awareness among the Lebanese that, you know, if you have those symptoms, that means you have a disease and those diseases are easily, easily treatable. And we've touched on it uh, or we've uh, felt it firsthand now after the explosion. So the silver lining from the explosion is that everyone started talking about mental health and everyone started talking about the importance of seeking help for mental illness. And we've seen the amount of people that started seeking help and calling us uh, because, you know, they were more aware that if you have those symptoms, it's not taboo, mishaib. You need to seek help for it. Yeah, and to what scale do you think that the media sources affect the mental state of citizens? As you said, after Beirut explosion, many TV shows and social media, we talked a lot about mental health, but they also showed that a triggering posts about explosion of that. So referring yeah. to other TV shows, news outlets, movies, and how has drug utilized these sources in order to raise awareness through campaigns? So the media can really be your best ally uh, to raise awareness because, you know, media is extremely powerful. And in Lebanon, especially with the older population, the traditional media is still extremely important, meaning TV and radio. With the younger crowd, the, the social media and the internet is a more powerful media. So the media can be a very good ally when they start uh, raising awareness and help you shed the light on diseases. And I think, you know, they've done a good job after the explosion. Uh, almost on a daily basis, uh, TV stations were talking about that and they were interviewing us, me and others, you know, to raise awareness. However, media can also play against you and media can be counterproductive when they start uh, sensational, sensationalizing uh, mental illness and when they start portraying, you know, someone with a mental illness as someone being crazy, as someone uh you know not portraying it in a scientific way and unfortunately some tv stations in lebanon they like the sensational aspect and they go in that and some journalists you know because they do not have the appropriate uh, training and they think that they're doing a scoop or they're being sensational by covering a suicide and by giving the gruesome details or by you know not sharing scientific facts and that can play against us and against NGOs that are trying to raise awareness because people who start becoming scared of mental disease instead of normalizing it and saying that it is an illness like any other med uh, medical illness and you can seek help, people will become more scared. So we've been really trying to work closely with the media to help them. And the Ministry of Health, in fact, in Lebanon, uh, almost a year ago, they established a program and they had guidelines in order to treat journalists on how to cover uh, mental diseases in the media. So uh, we we work closely with them and we try to train them. Now, in terms of the second part of your question, you know, the uh, uh, movies and stuff like that. Some movies are excellent in terms of raising awareness about uh, mental health. And uh, in fact, a few years ago, we regularly had uh, cine clubs where we would choose uh, appropriate movies and then have people watch them. And we used to have discussions after that. Unfortunately, that activity stopped, but I think it will be a good idea to restart it once COVID uh, ends, or maybe on our website, maybe to start having a list of uh, movies that portray well mental illness and that we encourage people to watch in order to help them. So I think it's a good idea we should do that. How has IDRAC sought to promote mental health education among younger citizens? So among the younger citizens, uh, our media campaigns has focused more on social media because we realized very quickly 
that spending money on TV ads and radio and billboards was not reaching our target. And so we had to put all our efforts on, uh, on social media to be able to reach the youth. And several of our awareness campaigns, in fact, we do engage youth and let them design the campaign and give, uh, give us their feedback before we launch a campaign. And we've learned a lot uh, from the youth because the message that I want to send is not necessarily the same message that is understood by someone who is 18 or 19. So by having engaging by engaging the youth from the beginning, it has been really very helpful. And we work closely with schools and universities and we give them the tips and the techniques for them to do their campaigns. And that has worked extremely well. Also, we've seen several students contact us from universities, especially those that are in graphic design or in filmmaking and in any artistic, you know, uh, major. They contact us that they want to do an awareness campaign or they have an assignment to do and they chose mental health and they call us and we provide them with the scientific information and we supervise them on how to design their campaigns or how to design their uh, assignment. And so by us just providing the scientific information, the youth themselves became ambassadors, and uh, I'm very proud of that activity. Are there actions or physical exercises younger citizens that are likely to have Alzheimer's and dementia should do? So is your question, are younger people, what should they should do to prevent Alzheimer's? Yes. Okay, so any person, young or old, in order to prevent dementia, you need to be physically active. And when I'm saying physical activity, I'm saying exercising on average 250 minutes per week which is the equivalent of, let's say, four times a week, around 40, 50 minutes every time. And again, when I'm talking about exercising, I'm not saying that someone should be hiking mountains or swimming in the sea or paying money, spending money on gym. Exercise can just be walking and anyone can walk next to that house. So this is a very important message that I hope people and the listeners will start walk or, ex or do any kind of exercise they like three, four times a week, every time around 45 minutes and that has been proven to be one of the best things to prevent you from having dementia at a later age so even if you're 60 and you're listening to this webcast it is not uh, it's not too late to start exercising please start at any age thank you dr karam for your time and insight it is really essential to promote information and news regarding the mental health of older citizens uh, with everything happening in Lebanon right now, we encourage all our audience to reach out in Idraq to, to receive any help you would need. And we urge everyone to be sensitive and not share triggering posts on social media. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you, doctor, a lot.